Welcome to Coffee House. So first things first, uh, there's a special someone who wished me a happy birthday, and I just want to say thank you. You know who you are. But recently, it was movie time. I'd been hearing things about Top Gun Maverick. I tried to rewatch the first one, but got uh, thoroughly distracted. But have since availed myself of, of the new action blockbuster movie. Now, the actual theater that I went to, my companion was um, about 10 minutes late, and there were still 30 minutes of previews. And I didn't want to see any of them except for the new Mission Impossible. I've seen all those, and I love those. But <laughs> this one... Directed by Joseph Kaczynski, and the only movie I think that I've seen that he did was my least favorite Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> it's an absolutely horrible movie. So I was I was shocked that he was the one helming this one. But this movie is starring Tom Cruise, got Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, and Miles Teller is significant for having done a dance move in the trailer that has haunted me ever since. It's like the Pennywise dance in that movie. It's a little worse, and I just keep seeing it over and over again. But notwithstanding that, I, I didn't expect much from this movie, but it was all the classic action movie that you would hope to hope to see in this context. So as always, we will go over the contents of this thing. We'll talk an analysis to see how good or bad the thing was. And then we're going to do a big picture to tie it all in. So the movie, if you don't know what it's about, it's The Return of Maverick. And his name is Pete. Did you know that? Was that said in the first movie? His name is Pete? Jennifer Connelly keeps calling him Pete throughout the movie. But he's working on a, a super secret contract for some supersonic jet when the movie begins, and he is called back to be an instructor at Top Gun for a special mission. There's a patron in the midst of the military hierarchy that has been looking out for him and who believes in him to train a new group of pilots for a unique mission. It contains kind of the basic archetypes to be expected, but there is a twist in the archetypes. But it's got like the uh, the rivalry, you know, in the group, and a quiet one, the would-be heir to the Top Gun throne, the jerk who's, uh, you know, I'm the best, and haha, nobody's as good as me, guy. One of the pilots who are being considered is the son of Goose from the original Top Gun, and he is none too pleased with the whole situation, as you might imagine. But there's infighting and camaraderie amidst the group. There's distrust between each of the echelons of the hierarchy, the military hierarchy. And Pete and Penny have a love subplot. Penny's... It's weird I mentioned Pennywise. And that must have been just subconsciously on my mind. But Penny is Jennifer Connelly's character, so they have a, a love subplot that they go through. She's the proprietor of the bar and was... They have a history. She was like his parole officer. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, didn't, I missed that part. But so they have that going on. But they must all participate in a final action-packed mission to save their country and resolve long-standing emotional issues. Uh, except for Penny, I think she's just home or something. Anyway, so moving on to the analysis. It was utterly refreshing. It was, it was so refreshing to watch this movie. There was no woke infection. It tried to tell a story in an entertaining way. That's all it was trying to do. The action was amazing. They used real planes, real cameras on real planes. Occasionally it was breathtaking, like it blew you away, the visuals they were able to come up with. And the action made logical sense. It wasn't something that was uh, overdone, they didn't have too many action beats. It all made sense within the, the logic of the movie and the way it was structured and what they were trying to do and trying to accomplish. All the action just worked in all of that, and I thoroughly enjoyed that part of it. And they didn't over-explain things. This is something that I think everybody who likes to talk, so namely, <laughs> if I could point one person at least out, they tend to over-explain things. And in this case, that was one of the best parts about it, is that they didn't over-explain what was being accomplished or some kind of 
broader political context of the conflict and all those sorts of things. They didn't overdo it in that way. And there's a fine balance between your world building and overdoing the world building to the detriment of the plot and the characters. So I loved that they didn't overexplain this. It was it was great they didn't spend too much time setting this whole thing up. All right, uh, Tom Cruise, you know, he might be the last living movie star. He's a legitimate movie star. The guy is committed to his characters, and he will do anything that he needs to do within a scene to be honest to those characters. He's charismatic as hell. Uh, he was also the producer in this movie, uh, which in this case apparently was a very good thing, but he was also the producer in that Mummy movie. <laughs> There's supposed to be the start of the Dooku, the Dark Universe Cinematic Universe, which I really want to get to say that more often, so they need to reboot that. Reboot the thing that didn't happen. <laughs> they, need to, they just need to do it. I will watch every one of those movies. I will commit to watching every one of those movies in the theater right now. That is a verbal contract, even though it can't be completed within a year, so therefore it would be subject to the statute of frauds, and you'd have to get a signature from the, the party against whom enforcement is sought. Anyway, but I will. I'm, I'm giving my verbal contract here that I will see every movie in the theaters of the Dark Universe, Cinematic Universe. If they manage to get it out, they won't. But anyway, Miles Teller convinced me. I wasn't sure what kind of an actor this guy was. You know, he doesn't have the uh, kind of good looks that you expect from a leading man in a lot of these areas. He's not, like, hideous or anything. He's not a hunchback. He's just a, Is that fair to hunchbacks? That was one thing. In the new Witcher series, uh, the girl started out as a hunchback, and I was like, this is great. You know, this is interesting. It's not somebody you'd see generally in this kind of a role. And then she gets it, like, cured. They cured her hunchbackism, and I was like, oh, come on. You just want her to be hot so you could she'd take her shirt off and get more people to watch. I need. I should do a thing on the Witcher series. That really bothers me. What am I talking about? Uh, so, Miles Teller, yeah. <laughs> so I'm so sorry, Miles, that talking about you got me to talking about hunchbacks. Not that there's anything wrong with... Oh, I'm going to go back down the same road. Anyway, Miles Teller, you uh, are much more interesting and capable. I think he did a very good job, a surprisingly good job in this particular role. And I would love to see him in more kind of bigger roles. I know he had something to do in the... It was like the background, the making of the Godfather movie or something like that. And I might watch that just because he's in it now. But yeah, I think he's got he's got a lot of room to grow as a star and as an actor. He's just got kind of an odd pocket that he fits in when it comes to Hollywood and filmmaking in general. Jennifer Connelly is still delightful and gorgeous. I mean, she's just a wonderful human being. And she's like 75. I mean, and she looks amazing. And I uh, just thoroughly enjoyed watching her in this movie. It's just a classic movie. It's one of those things It's cleanly written. The characters are a primary. It has really creative action that's a lot of fun. It's uh, the blockbuster movie you hope to see. I just uh, thoroughly enjoyed so much about it. That's not to say that it's perfect. I mean, obviously it has some of its downfalls because it really relies on archetypes and it felt like it had good pacing and kept going along, but you could pretty you can anticipate virtually everything that's going to happen because the setup's pretty basic and the payoff's pretty basic. But uh, there's some twists and turns in the midst of that and it's all really executed pretty damn well. So uh, you can appreciate that. So big picture wise. <laughs> It is, as far as I am aware, it's Tom Cruise's highest grossing movie ever. It's like the best he's ever done. It currently has a $748 million gross worldwide. It had like an opening of $125 million. And uh, it hurts my soul that I just found out that the new Jurassic movie, I think, is doing very well as well. Because I thought this was going to be the harbinger of good movies to come. 
But uh, there's no way that Jurassic World movie just turned out good. There's no way. But this one is just trying to be a movie, and it did well, so that's great. Nobody really wants to watch a superficial two-hour moral lecture, which is mostly what we've been getting as of late. Remember Elizabeth Banks? Uh, she made that Charlie's Angels reboot, and she was like baby, begging people to watch it. She was telling men that they had to go watch it because of feminism, rather than trying to you know create something that was enjoyable. I also watched the new James Bond movie, and that was interesting. Anyway, uh, people grow immune to these kinds of stimulants. You know, the the woke outrage value peaked under Trump because he was kind of a distraction. He was the bull in the china shop. (laughs) But now, so over time, that's going to uh, be less effective. So companies are beginning to swing back and they're getting paid for it, you know, like with Top Gun. Uh, But we really have to push harder. We have to ensure that this breach of cultural commitment to artistic freedom is not forgotten. Because on the other side of art as exploration is art as propaganda. You know, historically, art has been a means of exploration. That's something that when people were consuming art or creating art, it was a means of exploration of people. But on the other side of that is just art as propaganda. It's trying to convince people of certain things. And that's what we're in the midst of. We have that conflict where we had, you know, decades and decades, if not centuries, of more art as exploration since the Enlightenment, and now we're just slipping back into art as propaganda. That's why, you know, popular and great franchises are being destroyed left and right, because they're looking at it in those terms instead of the former terms. But I think we might be, it might be the the happiest moment when it comes to this, because we, we might be in the death knell of the art as propaganda, and hopefully so. So anyway, that was, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Just an enjoyable action movie, you know, something that is a a good distraction and something fun to experience in the summer of 2022. And after that, okay, so we have a couple of books. We did at least two, maybe three of the books that I had on the list so far, I believe. I'm recounting the list now because I'm trying to make sure people have the opportunity to read the same same books that I'm reading. It's just, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for one kind versus another kind, and I can spend hours reading that. And I won't want to touch one kind of book for a few weeks, and so it just makes it easier. So anyway, we finished Journey to the End of Night and The War in the West. We read both of those, one fiction, one in politics. We've got the last section of The Archaeology of Mind. I'm deep into the rise of statistical thinking and the birth of a tragedy. That's Nietzsche. We will be getting to very soon. But anyway, so the ones left right now in this tranche are The Archaeology of Mind, The Birth of a Tragedy, and The Rise of Statistical Thinking. And so I hope all is well. That's going to be it for uh, this look at this particular movie. And we'll have some more stuff coming up soon. All right, bye. (laughs) 